Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome to the expanded Inside Sources. Great to be with you for the next two hours from 1 to 3 every weekday here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, and it is time. It's time for all of us to dig a little deeper, think a little bigger, challenge our assumptions a little stronger, and of course, when necessary, disagree just a little bit better. So let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Of course, we've had a lot of news uh, over the last several days about civility in our politics, what kind of conversations we have uh, even within the same political party. And uh, very excited to be joined now on the program by Michael Steele. Many of you recognize Michael Steele, former uh, national chairman of the Republican Party, a longtime politico, great thinker, uh, great advocate for the way we message and the way we talk about the issues of the day, regardless of political party. Uh, in fact, you can uh, hear him on the uh, POTUS channel on Sirius XM with uh, our other good friend, Mr. Unger. And, uh, Michael, thanks for joining us today. Hey, man, it's good to be with you. How you been, man? Doing good. Doing really good. Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, we appreciate you swinging by over the airwaves. And, uh, I sure. know You have spent a lot of time, especially over the last year or so, uh, really trying to help the country reframe how we have political conversations, not just within the Republican Party, but across the aisle and uh, across the spectrum there. And uh, so as we kind of get into this interesting phase here, uh, 100 days into a new Joe Biden administration and uh, coming out of a pandemic, uh, just give us your sense, first of all. What should we be thinking again about as it relates to our politics? Well, thanks again for having me on. And and, and that's such a critical aspect of uh, our success is how we talk to each other, how we express what we believe, what we feel, what we want, what we don't want, um, how we see the future, how we see And I would say that I'm not just through the Trump era, but I would say probably going back uh, to the late 80s, early 90s, that that form of communication Political communication has disintegrated and is consistently broken down. And what's disturbing is the lack of leaders to emerge to shore that up, to reinforce it, mm. and to remind us that um, the, better, the best conversation is one in which I'm not starting it off with shut ears and ears and closed eyes or harsh language and words like, 
you, you're an idiot or you're stupid or you're a rhino or you're ignorant and all this other stuff that we've been hearing. So as I look at, you know, the transition, and, and I remember uh, talking about this uh, during the course and certainly at the beginning of the, of the 2020 campaign, that I thought Joe Biden and his presidency would be a transitional presidency if he won. Mm-hmm. And that in that he had the opportunity because he has been in the room for as long as he's been in the room and he knows the, the value and the importance of political discourse yeah. that he could try to, he could probably be that leader among leaders to sort of reorient our conversation and our thinking. And I think in a, in a, in an interesting way, he's, he's started to do that. And the evidence is in the fact that despite, for example, the, the disapproval of how he's handling uh, the border security issue, right? Mm-hmm. More broadly speaking, that has not overwhelmed the dialogue. That has not overwhelmed the conversation. The negativity of that has not overwhelmed the good stuff that he's trying to get us to focus on, uh, on COVID-19 and now on infrastructure. So, it, you know, there is some merit to having leaders who speak to us honestly, sit at our kitchen tables with us, tell us what they're doing, and help us have those conversations with them and with ourselves and among ourselves uh, in a manner in which we're about trying to solve the problem as opposed to relitigating why there's a problem in the first place. Yeah, so important. I absolutely love that. And uh, I am a a big proponent that – President Ronald Reagan was right when he said everything good in this country begins at the kitchen table and uh, yes. and having those yes. conversations and even even Absolutely. in a even in a public address or uh, a speech uh, to Congress or to the nation there's still a way for us to feel like we are kind of bellying up to the the kitchen table there for a, a conversation whether that's in our own head or the one that we have with our our family members or or members of our community uh, Michael I I know as you as you have gone through uh, and looked at this, you, you've been a part of a, a lot of conversations in terms of the future of the Republican Party, uh, in terms of do we have leaders uh, within the Republican Party who will uh, not just shout at their enemies, but also tell their friends, uh, hey, we gotta, we got to change course. Where do you think the Republican Party is uh, in terms of finding its footing and uh, where, it, where it needs to go next? I think I think it's lost its footing, and I think it's lost control of how to replace its footing. I think others are, are controlling its steps, uh, controlling its message, controlling its, its political psyche. Um, and again, that's not just Trump. That that is that is a leadership in the House and Senate that has failed uh, the number one requirement of, of, of leadership, uh, and that is listening. Yeah. People are telling us over and over again they want a competitive two-party system. I would prefer, quite honestly, a multi-party system. But you know that I digress. Yeah. Uh, but but the, but you and but me the both. Reality, yeah. I, I think I think it'll be healthier, and I think it'll be healthier for sustaining this republic if we allow more voices uh, to express more openly, more frequently their desires and frustrations, so we can help avoid a future January sixth. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I think the party has lost sight of that. And I and I and I'll give you the image uh, of the state of the party. And and she is Liz Cheney. I had a I was on uh, Brian Williams show last night. And before I came on, A.B. Stoddard, who's a good buddy, yeah. made a profoundly important point. She said, 
there is no political pathway forward for Liz Cheney in this Republican Party. Mm. That is a profound statement, and it is so true, as they're about to oust this woman for her leadership post, not because she has failed on conservative principles and ideas, not because she's turned her back on fundamental values that the party has expressed for generations, but because she stood up for the Republican democracy and said that January 6th, um, that the November election um, were not a good thing for the country, uh, and that the president of her party lost that election, you know, fairly and squarely. There was no fraud. And they want to oust her from leadership. So it says a lot about where the party is and where the party wants to next take its, mm-hmm. itself. Uh, and I think that's that's going to be a future it's going to have to come to grips with because they will be alone. Yeah. And, and it'll be a party pretty much by itself as others move away from it, not wanting to buy into more of the, you know, conspiracy theories and philosophy around, you know, vaccinations and so forth. Right. Absolutely. If you're just joining us, we've got Michael Steele on the line, former uh, GOP national chairman and uh, political commentator with MSNBC. And uh, one of the guys I look to in terms of, hey, let's think about this a little different. Uh, This whole segment is about uh, think again. And and as Einstein said, uh, you know, it's it's not that we're any smarter. It's just that we're willing to stay with the questions a little longer and uh, so, Michael, as, as you stay with the, the questions in terms of the republic, I, I love that you're also thinking that we would benefit from uh, a more coalition-style uh, multi-party uh, process in the, in the country where you can disagree with people on a host of other things. But if you agree on the one thing, let's get the one thing done, uh, getting those uh, yeah. transactions and coalitions. I, I think the ability to establish allies and alliances – is the leadership quality of the 21st century. Is there anyone out there uh, on your radar that we should be thinking about or watching in terms of that kind of leadership? Well, you know, that's a, that's an excellent question, and it's a hard one to answer, honestly. I mean, obviously I could put up the Mitt Romneys and the, the Liz Cheneys, um, but they're, they're standing on a very different ground right yeah. now. They're, they're trying to hold on to a democratic ideal, right, about our elections, our, our electoral process, uh, et cetera. So we, we're not having that discussion around the big policy issues. And that was so what, what was so disappointing about Tim Scott, Senator Tim Scott's rebuttal to um, uh, President Biden the other night when he gave his presidential speech. Those, those things are always a lose-lose, right. right? Because you're following the president in this grand room, even when it's partially right. uh, populated as it was, right? Still a grand moment. And it's even made more difficult when the president gives a hell of a speech, which Biden did. Um, you know, say what you I would have a lot to say about that. At the same time, you have to acknowledge how he brought wow. walked the country through what he wanted to do and why he wanted to spend the money he wanted to spend and how he's going to pay for it. Yeah. Republicans re- rebuttal to that was just basically started off by saying, well, you know, Joe Biden seems like a nice guy. Well, really? That's that. But then you know, talk about why we don't want to. That's not a strategy. Wanna, you know, fall in, <laughs> right? It's not a strategy. It's not a strategy. We don't want to fall into the trap of you know, casting aspersions and then go on and cast aspersions. I've been saying it to the party leadership for over a year now. Tell us what you want. Yeah. Tell us how you're going to lead the country. How you're going to govern us. What are you, you for? Had, you, you've had, 
right. You have the Senate, you have the House, you've got the White House. And the only thing you can you can beat your chest about is Supreme Court nominations, which at the end of the day, okay, whatever. Fine. And but a tax cut, but not everybody got the benefit, full benefit of it. I mean, so go. So tell us how you want to. Your infrastructure w- w- week was every week for over a year. Right, right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so tell us what. Tell us what you're going to do. Don't sit there and tell us. Well, Joe Biden just promised all this, and that's socialism, and you know, it's not yeah. good for the country. That's right. Tell yeah. us what you think is good for the country, and I think that that that's what we want. That's what Americans want. That's what we're used to. Uh, getting from the loyal opposition. Yeah. Um, so, in addition to it, look, I get oh. the bromides, but you know, you got to you got to <laughs> come to the table with something that's, other yeah. than I <laughs> think he's a nice guy. That's right. And uh, the idea of uh, what we're against as a as a strategy, as opposed to this is what we're for. Uh, we always do that in terms of Boston to Philadelphia. You know, you're always ready for the Boston battles of of what you're against and standing up to that. But you got to have a Philadelphia vision. Uh, of what you're for, or it just doesn't fly. Uh, Michael Steele, really appreciate you carving out some time on a on a busy day for you, and uh, we'll have you back. We got to continue and stay with this conversation uh, over the coming weeks. Always appreciate your insight. I'd love it, boy. Anytime, just reach out, buddy. Okay, we'll do it. Uh, that's again, that's Michael Steele uh, joining us, uh, former uh, chair, national chair of the Republican Party, uh, commentator for MSNBC and other places, and uh, just a great thinker. I love the way he thinks through how does this going to resonate with real Americans. A really important conversation. We're going to go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be uh, very pleased to be joined by Utah Senate President Stuart Adams, who's going to help us walk through what's coming in terms of how this money coming in from the federal government will be allocated, deployed, and leveraged here in the state of Utah. Stay with us. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.